term. And so liabilities represents the access to a whole new set of data points that are unique to liabilities asset classes or liabilities financial accounts. Um, the APR on your credit card, for example, um, or student loans, which is where we're starting, wasn't something that traditionally really had a home in our database. But we found a lot of companies coming to us for this sort of metadata, the, the slightly more diverse data set that we weren't offering before. Um, and it made a lot of sense to start with the student, uh, with student loan accounts. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. We've been covering the data aggregation industry because it's our contention that getting this one right is one of the underpinnings of modern finance. Sharing clean data between banks and apps may be somewhat of a boring business, but it's an important one. Plaid recently launched Liabilities, a product that gives PFMs and student loan providers and refinancers access to the liability side of their potential clients' balance sheets. This is a very active area of fintech, and this should help to propel things forward. Plaid's Lowell Putnam joins us on the podcast to talk about the new product and how clients are using it in their applications. Lowell was also the founder of Quovo, a data ad competitor with strength in the investment industry that Plaid acquired earlier in 2019. He talks about the combined entity and provides some insight into the product roadmap the company plans to execute on. Lowell Putnam is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Before we continue with our program, I'd like to thank our sponsor, MX, for supporting Tearsheet's work. MX is the leading data platform for banks, credit unions, and fintechs, enabling its clients and partners to easily collect, enhance, analyze, present, and act on financial data. Hi, I'm Lowell Putnam. I'm the head of partnerships at Plaid. I was the former CEO of Quovo and the founder there uh, before we were acquired earlier this year. Congratulations, first of all. I think we had you on years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, before we jump into um, liabilities, which is a new product you launched, which we also covered on, on Tershi itself, um, love to hear a little bit about um, what the combined entity looks like, um, how Quovo and Plaid kind of fit together. Sure. So I, I guess it, there was sort of convergent evolution of our product mm -hmm. sets where we found ourselves about a year ago, very highly competitive, where historically we hadn't been. You know, Plaid grew up mainly in the bank aggregation and specifically bank instant authentication space. Um, that was its, its big claim to fame and where it, it's really excelled and led the market from the very early days. Um, and Quovo started in the investment focus space, uh, doing brokerage account aggregation, um, multi-position accounting stuff. So we seemed very different back in 2013, 2014, 2015, but then um, our wealth clients started pulling us closer to the banking space uh, because of their interest in lending and banking and, and other products. And this is part of a, the rebundling effort that you've definitely seen and covered recently about multiple products now living under the same fintech brand. And then at the same time, Plaid was pulled into not just vanilla ACH verification use cases, but much more sophisticated PFM style use cases that started to look more like Quovo. So um, we kind of woke up a couple of years ago and we were we were real competitors um and so zach and i've known each other for a while and we realized that 2019 could have gone two very different ways one would have been us beating each other up in the market for what frankly is not a highly differentiated product to a lot of customers for the mm -hmm. first couple of accounts you link and it's a real sort of challenge that our product set has that when you link your chase account to quovo or plaid or Yodely or any of the other aggregators, 
it, it generally works and you see the data that looks right. So differentiating between the different offerings often comes a month, six months, a year into using the product. So we really would have hacked each other apart in the market and pricing probably would have suffered as a result and it really would have been pretty brutal. Or um, we could have joined forces and really played to our strengths, which is not being super competitive. That's not really what you build a startup to do to knock down another startup, but instead combine all of our team's relative strengths and then keep moving forward with it. And so that, that's what we did. So um, we, we uh, got through the deal last fall in record time, about 50 days from beginning to end, and it's been full steam ahead since then. Well, that's awesome. Definitely as an outsider, uh, it looks like there's complementary skills and complementary technologies that, that you guys get the best of uh, in this tie-up. So, so can you tell us a little about um, this new product, Liabilities, or where the, what it is and so where, where the idea came from to, to address this particular data set? Yeah, so not to get too, too nerdy for a second, but, but both Plaid and Quovo have lived with a very uh, accounting-minded data set. So the idea is you have a balance today, you have transactions today, and then the balance tomorrow is today's balance plus transactions, right? This is really basic reconciled um, um, financial account accounting. Um, so um, that was really where we live. Liabilities represents a departure from that core accounting data set into what I'd call metadata, uh, for lack of a better term. And so liabilities represents the access to a whole new set of data points that are unique to liabilities asset classes or liabilities financial accounts. Um, the APR on your credit card, for example, um, or student loans, which is where we're starting, wasn't something that traditionally really had a home in our database. But we found a lot of companies coming to us for this sort of metadata, the, the slightly more diverse data set that we weren't offering before. Um, and it made a lot of sense to start with the student uh, with student loan accounts, just because, as we all know, there is a true crisis of student debt in the country, and there's a lot of interest in the fintech space to helping solve the student debt crisis, but there hasn't been a lot of ability. There's been a real asymmetry between the demand for products to help people with their student loans and the ability of those products to really be effective, and we realized that it was a data challenge. Customer expectations have changed. People are looking to their financial institutions to provide them with experiences that fit their lifestyles. That doesn't mean just dumping data on them. It means providing proactive, personalized, and predictive advice. That's where Money App with Pulse comes in. Developed by MX, the personal finance manager makes it possible to engage customers on every level, from professional budgeters to people who try to avoid personal finance entirely. This can lead to a 60% increase in logins and a 28% increase in NPS. See the MX platform in action. Ask for a demo at MX. That's the letters M and X dot com. So before before you launched liabilities, well, how were how were some of the, the people in the industry addressing um, like you said, the APR on a on a credit card or or their student loan um, you know, interest rate? Like what uh, were, were these homegrown solutions really? Well, or they were self entered. I mean there's there's mm -hmm. th th you filled it on a form. And uh, obviously Plaid and, and Quovo don't tell people information that they can't get on their own, but it's removing the friction of having to manually enter that data, especially when that data changes month over month for variable rates or for other things that change, or finding that data that's very difficult to pull out of a website uh, if you're a consumer. That the breaking down that friction is really, really valuable for streamlining the solution for automating student debt payback or refinancing or rebundling or things like that. So um, without a service like this, 
it would be so cumbersome for uh, a customer to engage with a student debt uh, or any debt management app um, that the, the churn rate is brutal, the CAC increases, and it's really hard to make an impact. So automating that flow of data was really the goal of, of this new product set. And so once you've automated that, that data, um, what, what, is the, what does the consumer experience look like then uh, on, on, the other, on, on the front end of, of these products? Well, the beauty of it is that there are 10 different ways you, you can attack this problem. I mean, I think like, like any epidemic, if we look at this from sort of a medical standpoint, um, you can try and make a vaccine and that vaccine's a long way away, right? Like actually stopping the need for people to, to go into debt for their education is a long way away and that's a, a DC problem, it's a regulatory problem, which is one piece of this. But the ways that you can attack this in the short term are um, budgeting apps, um, it is uh, debt consolidation, so um, refinancing your, your student loans. There are several different ways that you can get people on top of their student debt, but it all begins with understanding exactly what that debt profile is and how those loans are structured. Um, and a great example of that is our client Pillar, which was an early beta user of Liabilities Endpoint. And they make it really easy to see the impact of a new paydown um, uh, sort of budgeting flow for their student loans is that you can see the impact in the long run across the life of the loan for what you pay down today. And that sort of transparency and visibility is in some ways an Excel sheet on steroids. It's something that someone could find out on their own, but really streamlining that process uh, is what's made their adoption so strong. Interesting. And so do you, you mentioned sort of the genesis of the product. Um, there was demand for it from some, you know, some, some of the industry players. Um, where do you see that demand going? I mean, are these are these companies building you know, point point solutions, or are they, are they, are these turning into sort of like full blown financial you know platforms for for students or you know? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a it's a really good question, right? That I think over the past year, the proliferation of high yield savings accounts and um, debit cards coming out of other fintech companies has all of us think leaning more towards a rebundling mindset, right? Like the, the, I guess that the current trend in fintech is to go broad rather than deep. Um, and in, in this case for student uh, debt repayment, the breadth um, story may be a little bit different. Um, I don't know. I think to your, to your point that if the breadth of these, these new student debt focused startups is going to be to drop a high yield savings account on top of a student debt repayment process. To me, it feels a little bit more like uh, one leg of a PFM stool. So yeah. helping you manage your overall budgeting life. I can see this being more of a feature attached to other savings features or, or traditional PFM style, like help out your financial life features. But it's pretty early to tell, honestly. Um, and it's gonna take a while to see the benefit of this, right? The actual benefit of student debt repayment um, or consolidation takes years to really be reconciled. So um, if, if I had to guess, I would say that we might see some of the other rebundled incumbents or quasi incumbents in the space. You take like an Acorns or a Stash or a Betterment or, the, or Wealthfront or these guys that actually do have a pretty full portfolio of products or obviously SoFi comes to mind here. And then adding more sophisticated repayment tools as an ancillary product or a, a feature to layer on to the rest of their planning capabilities. Right, so I guess that was, that was a way for me to ask, um, from a marketing and, and, and distribution standpoint, is Plaid seeing uh, customers you know, 
add on liabilities to some of the existing feeds that they're taking or is this open up like an entirely new audience for you guys? It's, it's both. Um, it's honestly both. It's a, the folks that are looking to add a debt management solution onto their existing stack. You look at someone like a, a money lion that serves uh, underbanked or unbanked portions of the population. They desperately need information about existing liabilities if they're going to get people on the path towards better credit or better overall financial lives. So for, for a case like that, it is expansion. It's a, it's a new silo for them or a new product set. And for others, this is still two folks in a garage with a dog and they literally can't get to first base without access to APR. And, and, and today it's just student loans, but the liabilities product itself that's touching on these, these new metadata points like next repayment date, current APR, you know, APR changes over time, delinquency rates, all of these things that traditionally Platt hasn't had access to. Um, these things I think are going to touch other asset classes soon too. So we'll be moving into mortgages and credit cards and other debt asset classes. And I think that'll open up a whole new set of products too. Yeah, that makes a, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Lo, if you don't mind shifting gears a little bit, I'd love to hear a little bit about how you're thinking about product roadmap into the, into the near term and, and future. Yeah, I think that at, at its core, everything that we're doing here is providing the raw data um, or the first order derived data that a fintech company needs to really make an impact. And so this liabilities launch <laughs> is a great example of that, right? It, these are data points we didn't have. There was no place in the database to actually put an APR. It didn't live with our data model, but we had a lot of demand from customers for these data points. And so I, I'd expect to see a lot more from us over the next year, listening to our customers, seeing the data points that they need that we don't have, and then adding them in. And adding them in in a, um, um, an expandable, replicatable way. And what I mean by that is that we're not going to just get you one student loan. Like we're not just going to get Nelnet for you. If we can't cover 80, 90, 95% of the market, we're really not very useful. Um, so adding breadth to our coverage as well as depth has to be part of our product roadmap. So obviously, um, you'll be seeing more liabilities asset classes rolled under the liabilities product later this year, credit cards, mortgages, um, HELOCs, hopefully a large variety of different asset classes. Um, the work that we did on investments, which is rolling in a lot of the Quovo technology that's already been launched in a, an initial state this year from Plaid, we need to keep doubling down on because investments are probably the most complicated data model of any account type that we work with. So we're really just, you know, um, at the tip of the iceberg for, for investment assets. Um, so I'd say that expect to see a lot more of that from us is whatever that one data point you need as a fintech company or as a entrepreneur or a skunk works at a large enterprise, we want to be able to source that data point for you, that one piece of insight that you need to uh, help your customers. I just want to go back to something you had said earlier on and that sort of the aggregation data product is, is hard to differentiate in, in the eyes of a, a consumer, um, at least early on in a relationship. Like, is that something you're addressing head on or, or is, that, is that just the nature of, of the, the market that you compete in? Well, it, it, it's an interesting point. We, we, we talked about this at our, our company retreat recently um, that n nobody says, hey, I, I love Con Ed. I love my utility <laughs> provider. Um, now you have all the telecoms getting into banking. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, we are in a lot of ways a, a utility 
or a commodity provider, but the commodity we have is like water or electricity. The commodity itself is truly the lifeblood of the companies that we work with. Um, but th that said, um, when you have water and it works, you generally don't think about the quality of the water or the electricity that comes to your home. Um, and so I think that we, we do have to do a better job explaining that there is clean water and dirty water um, and, and doing a better job explaining that the quality of the commodity that we produce is so much higher quality than, um, than other people out there in the market, both in terms of the, the individual data points, but also in terms of the, the breadth of coverage that we have um, that that's really what differentiates. And when you think about a, a small company starting out and choosing an aggregation provider, we all get chased right. And the chase data is just fine. And, and that's wonderful. But when you hit a credit union, you know, from Missouri and Plaid gets that data right and it saves you a support ticket that you otherwise would have gotten from another aggregator, that support ticket has ripple effects and really, really can hamstring a business that the, the, underlying cost or the hidden cost of poor data quality can make its way through a small organization or even a large organization um, in ways that are pretty insidious. And so it's that first account, it, it doesn't save anyone any money. It, it always works all the time. It's that 50th account that starts to really make a difference on somebody's bottom line. And so um, it puts us in a position of saying, hey, wait till you get to that 50th account and you see it work with us or break with somebody else. Um, and, and so that is always our sales challenge is, is, is sticking with our customers and helping prove out to them the value of a, a long-term high quality relationship. Well, well, I get, as you're saying that, I'm thinking you, you can differentiate at the end customer level. You could also differentiate at the B2B level, your, your, you know, your, your indirect, your, the people paying you, um, is, is there a way that, um, come up and bump up against, you know, some of your competitors in the market that Plaid is able to say, hey, we really are different before you get to that 50th customer that you're describing. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's, inter yeah. It, it's interesting that there's a whole team here, which is called the developer experience team. And so, um, and we didn't have that at, at Quovo, but I love the fact that Plaid has the idea of developer experience, which isn't just, does the API have a field in it called current balance, right? It's, <laughs> it's actually making sure that the experience of a developer using the product is that much easier. So we've embedded our support tickets and desk flow into a single plaid dashboard. So the idea of logging into a place to see how the API is performing, being more transparent about API outages, even down to the financial institution level. I think that that amount of transparency and um, insight into the product itself um, is paying us back in a big way. It's sort of a product within a product, the mm -hmm. way that developers interact with Plaid and the tools that we give them to help them interact with us better. Um, I think that a great way to think about it is for, for a lot of small companies in particular, AWS and Plaid are your two most important vendors. We, we are the two things that when they go down, your startup goes down. You can't make money. And so we have to view ourselves with that same level of SLA Mm -hmm. And we have to give the exact same tools that someone like an Amazon would give out to his customers to make sure that you can dig as deep as you need to go to see how the service is performing. Wow. That's a lot of responsibility. Um, I guess if, from that vantage point, um, you know, one of the, part of our coverage on Tearsheet in, in covering the, the data industry, um, I think is sort of joined at the hip with a lot of the changes that are happening in like, banking as a service and embedded finance. Are you seeing a lot of like non-financial customers now reaching out for financial information? 
Yeah, um, I, I think I'm, I'm paraphrasing Zach, our CEO, when, um, when I say that 10, 15 years ago, people realized that every company is a technology company because every company uses technology. I think people are realizing every company is a financial services company because if you receive money, for your goods and services, you are in some ways a financial services company. Um, and and I, I like that statement as simple as it is. Um, so absolutely, um, we've been doing work with uh, telcos, utility companies, anyone who's dealing with complicated movement of money. This is recurring payments, large payments, um, people who felt sort of traditionally attached to um, payment rails or money movement rails now are thinking about um, moving money a little bit differently or using payment moments as an opportunity to enhance your relationship with the customer mm. instead of detract from it. I think that's going to be a big trend that we see over the next several years is that the relationship that you have with people you pay can get deeper because you pay them. It's not a necessary evil that you've got to fork over some cash every month. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, and, and I guess if those, if, as that client base seemingly um, matures, from a delivery standpoint, is there anything different about your work with them than there is in the financial industry? Well, I think it's it's going to come back to consumer consent, right? Because um, it, Nike would love to know if you buy Reebok shoes, <laughs> right? Um, but what we don't want to find ourselves doing is becoming a marketplace of data or a customer insights platform where any consumer feels like their financial account data is being used to retarget them or market to them inappropriately the same way that their social media data data feels like it's being kind of pulled back into this this dark cloud um, and they don't know how it's being used so we've actually invested a lot of time and are going to continue to invest time into our consumer portal and so providing tools out to the end consumer to see exactly what data is being released to which parties at what time, and they can control that consent motion. Um, so making the consumer sort of a, a hub or a secondary hub of their financial data. If, if a primary hub maybe is the institution itself, and then another hub actually becomes the Plaid consumer-directed portal, and we can all serve as air traffic controllers to figure out who gets access to what data at what time. And I think the end result of that is that when we go and we pay with our bank account at our cell phone provider, we can choose to show information to them to say, hey, you know, forgive me if I'm delinquent because I can show an overall high balance at all my accounts, right? There are a lot of really creative sort of micro underwriting or micro assessment moments you can have with your more important financial relationships um, that, that they merge the exchange of data with the exchange of money. And what about the industry as a whole? Is, is this a winner-take-all industry? Meaning, you know, it's you know, Quovo was focused on investment, you know, information, and and Plaid was on on sort of banking, and and obviously there's value in bringing those two together. Are are, are we going to see a lot of niche players, or is this like just the big the bigger companies are going to get better and bigger at what they're doing? I don't know. Uh, it's a good question. I think at, at this point, if if Plaid's not the the current winner or certainly one of the big guys over the past year, Plaid's, it, it feels like we're a little bit of the 800 pound gorilla when it comes to, you know, bidding and RFPs and things like that, which is a wonderful position place to be, be in. Yeah. yeah but compared to being a startup. Uh, makes your it, job it, easier. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely makes our job easier. Um, I don't know. Um, I th think the future of open banking is going to be one of the biggest um, game changers here. Um, I don't know what happens if 
enough institutions here in the US make APIs available that A, work, and B, um, like work or actually can meet an SLA for uptime stand standards and and B, can be used by third parties directly. I don't know if there are gonna be FinTechs that try to go direct to the banks instead of using a third party mm -hmm. like us, or if there are going to be half measures built where people will say, hey, we'll get you the 50 institutions you care about most, and that's it, and Plaid will, will hold on to everything else. I don't know, I think that that's, that's always, um, it's always a risk for us. New, new competitors come up all the time. I think that the good news is that the, the wave of open banking is happening so slowly and happens so much slower, and we're seeing this in Europe, slower than people expect, um, that a one-stop shop for 100% of the data you need that works all the time is still extraordinarily valuable, and we don't see many customers deciding to go elsewhere. Got it, and we have time for one last question. Um, what are your biggest priorities, you know, headed into the second half of, of 2019 into the, you know, next year? Like wh where, where are you putting your attention and, and time? Um, I, I think that we're in a really great place right now. The people who are building the next great FinTech app know that Plaid can help them with that. And this is both, like I said, the two people in a garage or it's the entrepreneur group or the skunk work group. I, th I think that we've proven out that we are the place to go to get the data that we, we can offer you. Um, what we need to work on now is really helping our customers move faster, um, really helping our customers embed Plaid deeper into their stack and make it a top priority uh, for them. And so what can we do to accelerate that process? How can we help people get cyber insurance that are struggling to find it? How can we get people to get penetration tests done so they know they're building safer apps? Um, how can we build better SDKs so that they're not muddling through our API documentation as, as good as it is. Um, I think that focusing on speed of execution so that people can actually get to the fun part, which is using our data, not just getting our data. Um, and um, I think that we all have responsibility for this, but that the same reason that there haven't been great student debt repayment apps um, today is, is a problem we're seeing everywhere. People can't get the data they need quite quickly enough to move really, really, really fast and touch more customers. So we need to focus on that. Lowell, thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. Zach, always a pleasure.